continue with our message now. Can't we agree on anything, folks? Can't we agree on anything? You guys ever felt that way before? I used to feel that way a lot of times when I'd be hanging out with my group of friends, like on a Friday night. Typically, you know, there, I don't know, there'd be my kind of core group of friends, maybe between like five and eight people, and we'd like to, you know, go out to dinner, and sometimes that would take kind of a long time to decide where we were going to go trying to choose a restaurant to get everybody on the same page. Can't we agree on anything? And so then um, after that dinner choice fiasco, it got even worse usually because we would want to rent a movie. Do you guys remember Blockbuster? If we can uh, go to the next slide here. Some of you guys are fondly remembering Blockbuster. And some of you have no idea what Blockbuster is. Like the youngins. Um, so if you imagine uh, Netflix and you know it's up, it's up on your TV screen. Imagine that you could climb into your TV. So instead of scrolling through all the available options, you would climb into the TV and there would be row upon row of these cases that contain something called a DVD or maybe a VHS a long time ago and you could like physically pick one up off the shelf and be like yes this is the movie I'm going to take back to my home and put into my DVD player and watch it's a it's a strange concept but my friends and I would go to Blockbuster and we didn't always agree on what movie. Actually, I should say, we never agreed initially on what movie to watch. So the conversation would go something like this. Oh, I heard that this new scary movie is awesome. We should watch this one. You know, hey, it's, it's Halloween, or Reformation, you know, but Halloween weekend. Um, we should watch, no, I don't want to watch that. I get nightmares. I don't want to be, I have to be up early the next day. I don't want to be up scared all night with the covers over my head. No, definitely not a, square, a scary movie. Let's do something else. How about this action movie? I heard great reviews. It's going to be entertaining. No, we can't do that. Jay always gets confused about who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. We're gonna have to pause it, we're gonna have to rewind it. No, 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 a complicated plot, no way. We're not gonna rent that one. How about a comedy? You know, yeah, oh yeah, I had a stressful week. I just wanna laugh. How about, oh, look, the new Will Ferrell movie. Anyone but Will Ferrell, come on, I don't like him. Um, no, we, we have to watch something. And then inevitably, at least someone would threaten to just leave and go home. And no, 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 can't we just, can't we just compromise? You know, can't. Have you guys ever spent an hour in a Blockbuster before? It ain't pretty. I've been there before. Can't we agree on anything? Now we're getting into the, uh, the theme here of this New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. It's the first letter that we have that Paul wrote to this fledgling Christian church there in modern-day Greece, the city of Corinth, and Paul actually would have gone even further than asking, can't we agree on anything? He would have said, can't we agree on everything? Can't we agree on everything? Whoa there, Paul. Calm yourself down. Think you're asking a little bit too much. 
But this is what Paul writes, if we can get that, that next slide there, yeah. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He sounds serious, you know, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. He's saying, can't we agree on everything? That's a powerful picture of unity in the church, what Paul is calling them toward. Powerful. And so, the fact that he's writing this in such a strong way, you know it's because he, he knows that they're not fulfilling this, that there are problems. You know, somebody tattled to him that they were divided on all kinds of things. So what was dividing the Corinthians? Well, a bunch of things were dividing them. The first one, and, and so as we read through this whole letter, you're going to see there's a bunch of things like chapter after chapter, things that Paul is having to address from afar. One was like their pastors and teachers, you know. Um, well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. And then you gotta love the, the other group that says, well, I follow Christ. You know, they're like, they're thinking, yeah, we won that one. We're the holiest ones, you know. We played the trump card. Um, but it would be like if, you know, in our church today, some people were like, well, I follow Smith. Well, I follow Greminger. I follow Bugler, you know, or some other pastor that's, you know, not even here anymore. Um, Paul is saying, that's silly, the center of the church is not like the personality of a leader or something. Um, the center is Jesus and the mission that he gives to us. So Paul has to address that. That's, we read kind of a snippet of that um, in chapter 1 today. They also, what else did they disagree on? Well, they disagreed on what it was okay to do with your body. Okay? So there was some, there was some disagreement. Like, well, isn't God's grace just like unlimited? Can't we just do whatever we want to and then just be forgiven for that? Um, well, Paul, later in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, he says, you know, you're not your own. You know, you were bought with a price. Like, we belong to God now. We belong to our Lord Jesus. And so, there was some debate about, you know, well, what can, what can a Christian do and what can't they do with their body? They also disagreed about food. Particularly food that was sacrificed to idols. Um, this is not really a modern day issue that we have, so I'm not going to linger on it. But the, the concept is kind of, you know, well, on one side, well, we're right. You know, we know that idols don't exist, and so if there's food sacrificed to idols, we can just eat that. Um, but on the other side, there's what if people are offended by that? You know, what if, what if people, what if that harms someone's faith. Well, a lot of those Christians are like eating that food sacrifice to idols. So, you know, is it better to be right or is it better to be, you know, loving with your actions uh, towards someone else? So there was disagreement about that. There was disagreement about the worship gatherings themselves. They were disorderly and distracting and chaotic and people had different agendas and different goals for them. And uh, Paul reminded them that really when you gather together, you're supposed to be uh, uniting around our faith in Christ and trying to grow closer to God and grow closer to one another. And what you're currently doing is not doing that. It's kind of undermining unity. So we had to correct some of those behaviors. Then the big one, the resurrection. Some people believed that Jesus rose from the dead and others thought, well, you know what, Paul? <laughs> You've convinced us to believe some pretty crazy things. Uh, but the resurrection, pff, that's a little too far, man. 
Um, that sounds like a fairy tale. I don't think we can believe that. So he has to spend chapter 15 of this book with his resurrection manifesto and, you know, telling people why the resurrection is real. So all these things uh, in Corinth, you know, you just would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at one of the Corinthian voters' meetings, you know, like wondering, just hearing what they were arguing about. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I am so refreshed uh, when I read 1 Corinthians because it's so, it's so nice to uh, just rejoice in the fact that, you know, all these problems among Christians, they happened a long time ago, and there's no division anymore, right? Like, all Christians everywhere just get along super well. I think the, the sarcasm um, detector is faulty today because it's not going off. Um, but of course, sadly, there are divisions in the church. There are divisions uh, in our church. There's divisions in every church. There's divisions in, uh, in the church at large, the Christian church here on earth. And some of them are just really silly. Some of them are really serious. But all of them, whether silly or serious or somewhere in between, they all take Christ out of the center of what the church is about and kind of push him off to the side. So today, Reformation Day, 504 years ago, we are celebrating how Martin Luther brought Jesus and the gospel back from the fringes of the church and put it right back in the center. You might say that Martin Luther found the gospel like in, in the attic somewhere, kind of, you know, put away and had to dust it off. Oh, we should be talking about this. You know? So he proclaims it to the church and that, that's what we celebrate, that the fullness of the gospel goes out and Christ becomes the center of what the church is doing once again. Luther calling people to remember that we are united in our need for a savior and united in the fact that that savior has died for us and risen again. So we are his. We belong to him, we, we also belong to one another. We're the people of God. And yet, still today, divisions exist here in the church. Um, and so there's a few things that might divide Christians today. I want to run through a few of those, what tends to divide Christians. Um, I thought I could like ask the audience, but that might, we might be here for too long if I did that. So, but there's a lot of things that, that maybe threaten to divide us. Um, one might be you know, something like the style of worship or how you ought to worship. What should that look like? You know, maybe people are divided about that. Uh, church politics, oh, that's fun. Raises your blood pressure even hearing that phrase. Um, but there are some, you know, there's some disagreements sometimes in the church. Disagreements about like what type of ministry programs maybe we should have or um, maybe some that we shouldn't have. And maybe what we should do with the money that God's people willingly give in the offering. You know, how should we manage that? And how should we govern ourselves as a church? Um, another thing that might divide us is just is gossip. Talking about each other rather than talking to each other. We're really good at talking like behind people's backs rather than having a face-to-face -face conversation. 
Distrusting each other's motives sometimes in the church can lead to division. Complaining about things rather than, you know, maybe taking it you know, to a leader or trying to have a thoughtful conversation about something. Holding grudges and refusing to forgive. Maybe putting our own personal preferences or like our favorite traditions above the the mission that Christ has given to us. There's so many things. And I think we all, in various ways, maybe contribute to some division among our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this prevents us then from doing what Paul says and having, you know, agreeing and having the same mind and having the same judgment. And we push Christ off to the side when we do that. Division is pretty common in the world. You know, I don't think anyone's too surprised when we see people outside the church fighting and arguing and clawing at each other. We kind of expect that. The rest of the world um, likes to talk a big game about this, this phrase, kind of like to uh, uh, agree to disagree. Sounds great in theory. Uh, but it doesn't usually get practiced, in my experience. It's easier to just cut people out of your life that don't agree with you, that you're not of the same mind with. Sometimes that happens to, like, close friends. You know, if you, if you reach a certain level of disagreement, well, I can't be friends with you anymore. Or even family members sometimes. We cut people off because we just can't agree. And the world um, then shows that revenge is acceptable and holding a grudge is like an art form and we've we've learned that art form from the world forgiveness is rare and only on certain terms only on certain terms the church though is called to be different from the rest of the world so when divisions creep in and we are separated from one another we're mad at each other, we're frustrated with each other, we're called to recognize our sin, you know, recognize what, what role did I play in causing this rift? So to recognize that, to repent of that, to turn away from sin, and then to, to turn back toward our brothers and sisters in Christ and be reconciled to them. That's what we're called to do. Because we, ha we have a unity that is so much different from the rest of the world. The cross and the forgiveness of Christ are the foundation for the unity that we have. The cross and the forgiveness of Christ. This is what sets us apart. This is what, um, this is how the church should look strange to the rest of the world. We should really stand out by the way that we love and forgive each other just as, as Paul writes in another letter of his, just as God and Christ forgave you, you know, so we also ought to forgive one another. This is the unity that we have. And so when we gather together, we are united in a couple different ways. We're united in our need for a Savior. So when we confess our sins before God, we're united as we lay down all of the ways that we are responsible 
for causing fractures and division, maybe in our homes, in our group of friends, in our workplace, in our classrooms, in our church, or wherever else God has placed us. We confess those, and then we equally are united in the forgiveness that God pours out for us. The words of forgiveness that we hear, or when we, like today, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we stand united holding our hands out to receive the body and blood of Jesus for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. We are united then as we receive that forgiveness, as we rejoice in the fact that Jesus was crucified and rose again to take our sins away and to unite us in faith as brothers and sisters in Christ. Our unity is founded on God's forgiveness for us and the way that we forgive one another. But that doesn't stop Paul from also calling Christians to be better than the rest of the world. You know, Paul could have just said, you know what, it's too hard to get these people to agree on anything. It's too hard to just have them get along. So let's just skip plan A, go right to plan B. Guys, when you inevitably mess up, when you make each other mad, just forgive each other. That would have been a shorter letter. But Paul boldly calls them to agree. Now he points us to the vital like forgiveness tools that we need to have to get through this life but he also boldly calls people to agree. And so what does this unity look like in a church full of sinful saints? That's what we all are, sinful saints. I personally like to focus on the saint part, um, although I have to just every day also focus on the sinful part. We're sinful saints. What does this look like? Well, it doesn't mean that we agree literally on everything, okay? We're never going to agree on every small little thing that might pop up in the church. That would be the greatest miracle of all time if we actually did agree on everything. So Paul's not saying, just act like you agree on everything. Let's just, let's strive for some fake kind of unity, you know, that's only superficial. No, Paul is calling us to something even more. He's calling us to live like Jesus has been crucified and risen and that he's coming again, to, to live like Jesus is the Lord of all. And so that means that for the sake of the mission of the church that Christ has given to us, we will be united in our effort to make disciples. For the sake of those who don't know Jesus yet, we will agree, we will be united. We'll set aside our differences and focus on what does bind us together, our faith in Jesus and that calling that we have. So it means that as we're these sinful saints striving for unity, it means that we might not always get our way and that we'll be okay with that. We might not always get our way. The Holy Spirit helps us to weigh the personal preferences that we might have the grudges, the axes to grind that we might have, to, to weigh those things up against the mission that we have as believers to go and make disciples. And the Holy Spirit miraculously empowers us to choose this one, to choose 
the mission, to choose unity for the sake of those who don't know Jesus yet. It's only possible by the work of the Spirit to help us choose unity rather than division. And so I am going to channel Paul here today as he calls the Corinthians and calls all of you too. I'm going to call you also to rise to the challenge to be a united body of Christ here in this place. This is what Jesus says too. Jesus, in John 13, verse 35, this is um, the same day where he prayed that prayer that we read earlier, but Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is a powerful witness to the rest of the world that we are different, not because we're so much better, but because of that forgiveness and that faith we have in Christ our Lord. So we don't really agree on everything, but if Jesus is everything, and if his cross is everything, and if his empty tomb is everything, and if that resurrection hope that we have is everything, and if the mission to go and make disciples is everything, well then, yes, in Christ, we really do agree on everything. In Christ, we really do agree on everything. So let's act like it. Let's live like it. That's my prayer for us, that he will unite us, not superficially, but deeply and genuinely, and that he will remind us daily that because of our identity as brothers and sisters in Christ, there is no other greater unity that exists. We are in Christ. He is the foundation for our unity. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this day, this Reformation Day, where we celebrate the full power of the gospel going out into the world once again. We pray that you will help us to hear and believe that full gospel, that we are in Christ, that we are bonded together by the faith and the forgiveness that we share. Give us a true unity so that we can follow that great commission that you've given to us to go and make disciples. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.